Come on, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 136 of Wolf Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. And this is our April News Roundup, where I cover the top news stories. We have four stories for you this month. First one, private equity firms Clearly Capital and Motive Partners acquire Beta Plus from the London Stock Exchange Group. YieldX is now participating in the Schwab Advisor Services Provider Listing Program. Three, Charles Schwab launches direct indexing. And four, advisor tech map updates. All right, a couple quick housekeeping notes before we continue. Please subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to check out our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation at investinothers.org. All right, let's kick this episode off. Private equity firms Clear Lake Capital and Motive Partners acquire Beta Plus from London Stock Exchange Group for a billion, 1.1 billion in cash. This is our biggest story this month. It's a huge story. It's really a titanic shift in the wealth management market for a number of reasons, but let's roll it back a little bit. What is Beta? Uh, what is the software that is being bought? How did the London Stock Exchange get it? Uh, you know, a really quick story that Beta was owned by Reuters, which then merged uh, that business with Thompson Financial. So Beta has been kind of bounced around for a while. Um, it's technology that allows uh, broker dealers uh, to become self-clearing. It provides security securities processing, custody clearing, asset servicing technology. Um, you know, it's a securities processing engine, and uh, you know it's, it's very old technology. It's been around quite some time. And I think um, it was on the market for a while. And I think the Refinitiv acquisition just accelerated that need to divest themselves uh, of it. So this is a good deal for them. They move on. Refinitiv you know, dumps this technology that they weren't really interested in in the first place since they want to be more of a data uh, provider. And it also includes a couple of the pieces that Refinitiv uh, owned, uh, a software called Maxit which is cost basis tax reporting software and uh, what they're calling a digital investor client facing trading uh, portal, which used to be called WealthScope. Those are both both products that were formerly from a company called Cyvantage, which uh, was acquired by Refinitiv in 2020. So they've packaged all those, those three tools up into one deal, hand those off to Motive and ClearLake, and they're most likely going to roll that under the InvestCloud umbrella. Now, uh, they call this Beta Plus. Sorry, sorry. So Beta Plus is Beta Plus, Maxit, and Digital Investor altogether. Uh, it's got some good numbers, uh, $300 million in annual revenue, they're claiming, $6 trillion in total assets under advisement on the platform. Some great logos come along with this. Wells Fargo Advisors, LPL Financial, Vanguard, all use uh, Beta for, for their uh, self-clearing business. Now, the $6 trillion sounds huge, uh, but it's AUA. This is assets under advisement, not assets under management. No, so they're processing accounts with that value, and vendors love throwing these huge numbers around, but they don't directly relate to the amount of work that they're doing. You know, like cost basis reporting, you can be, we're, we're doing reporting on a trillion dollars. Okay, that's nice, but it's really more account-based. Uh, the AUM has nothing to do with the work you're doing on reporting. But it sounds good. Investors love it. So they keep throwing these numbers around. 
but rolling it back a bit, um, there's two types of clearing firms is independent and self-clearing broker dealers. So independent clearing firms, which we commonly refer to as custodians, they charge fees to broker dealer clients for their custody services. And they have more scale, you know, trillions of dollars in assets that enable them to, to manage this business. And um, they make money on the RIA side through, through um, uh, correspondent clearing. That's how they monetize Schwab, TD, RBC, uh, your Wells Fargo first clearing. They monetize their back office by RIA and corresponding clearing channels. The other part of these firms uh, not, that aren't independent are the self-clearing broker dealers. So they're firms that only clear for themselves. They don't offer services to other, other brokers usually. Uh, they will buy technology from uh, Beta or BPS, uh, are the two biggest providers. Uh, SunGuard used to have something called Phase 3. And when SunGuard was purchased by FIS, that kind of disappeared. I don't think anyone's really using it anymore. So it's just BPS and Beta at the moment. But it was usually the, really, the biggest broker dealers that went self-clearing because you need some scale. Uh, you really need that in order to, to make it work. And it was expensive because there's a lot of work required. There's a lot of, um, you need a lot of people to handle the regulatory issues uh, being a custodian. You need more assets um, as a, a self-clearing broker than um, a broker deal that uses a custodian. You know, and there's a lot of factors that go into deciding whether you want to become self-clearing or not. So um, uh, that's one of the reasons why firms will go you know, and bring in BPS or bring in uh, beta. You know, they want to have that, that, those capabilities. And one of the biggest reasons for broker deals going self-clearing is money. Or they, want the, they want the revenue stream that custodians have. And custodians have a number of revenue streams that broker dealers do not. Um, things like cash float you know, or the proprietary money market funds. They make money on that. They make money on lending whether it's margin or securities lending, uh, you know, those are all um, revenue streams. Um, there's a lot of mutual fund uh, fees from the, the NTF funds, no transaction fee funds. That's like 25 to 40 bips. Sub TA fees, five to 15 bips or so. And they have payments for order flow. So there's a lot of revenue coming in when you are self-clearing, when you are um, an independent uh, clearing firm. So that's, that's very tempting. To a lot of a, a lot of broker dealers, and uh, if you look at and especially now it's it's paid off. You know firms like Raymond James is self clearing, and they have a lot of ways that RIAs can work with them because they don't care which way you you work with us, right? If if once you if they have advisors who go independent, as long as they stick with Raymond James for custody, they still get the money, so it's it's good for them. Uh, if you're not, if you're a broker dealer and you clear through say Pershing. If an R, if one of you, a bunch of your advisors jump ship and start an independent RIA, you know, you get you get blown up, right? You lose all that, you lose those assets that are coming through your platform. You you lose uh, the, the money you're making on the front end when you ch you charge for your platform, you're charging for shelf space and other things. It's all it all disappears. But if you are self clearing, you can then keep that if the assets stay on your platform. So uh, a lot of that's really the main reason. I mean, we hear from firms saying, "Hey, self-clearing, you know, because it's uh, you know, it gives us a central location. It, it centralizes things, eliminates third parties, reduces costs. That's the pitch they give to advisors. But it's really about money, as <laughs> far from what I've seen, from what we've seen in the business. It's it's all about um, bringing more revenue. 
Now there, there was some ability, there was some flexibility as well. Uh, things like you can make up your own margin rules since you're the custodian. You can uh, you're taking the financial risk, so you can decide who becomes a client. You know your your regular your um your compliance team decides um, whether a firm can be a client or not. You can decide your minimum um, account size because you're the custodian. So there is some more flexibility there. Uh, let's see. Um, so we're expecting um, Motive and Clear Lake to merge this business under InvestCloud. Now they recapitalized InvestCloud in 2021, beginning of 2021. Um, injecting $500 million into InvestCloud and merging it with Tegra 118, which is the former Fiserv APL business, as well as Fanatics, which is based in, in Europe and is more in the private banking space. So they're building out uh, a suite of products uh, into a much larger organization that can provide overlapping services. And I imagine they, they want to um, connect them of course, looking for some, some economies of scale, but also be able to offer to larger firms that have multiple lines of business, all these different services, which makes a lot of sense. You wanna be horizontally and vertically integrated. The, um, so when you look at, um, oh, so many years ago, this is my next thing I wanna talk about. I worked at uh, Automatic Data Processing when they had uh, Brokerage Information Services Group. So they were in the business. They they owned BPS. They which they eventually spun off the back office into what's now Broadridge. That used to be ADP Brokerage Group. And you know BPS, we worked with it back then. This was a long time ago, uh, decades ago. And BPS was old back then. So it's really old now. And so is Beta. So these are really old technologies. But they just keep plugging away. They just keep cranking out. And custody is a lot like plumbing. You don't notice it until it stops working. Um, and another reason why custody is so profitable is it all runs on mainframes, you know, really big computers that have all, they were fully depreciated decades ago. So all the revenue falls right to the bottom line. I don't have the data in front of me, but I know I looked at Boney's uh, Bank of New York Mellon's annual report a few years back, and they own Pershing. And I believe Pershing, you know, someone fact checked me on this, Pershing was 10% of the gross revenue, but 20% of the profit. So really profitable business. Pershing is for Bank of New York. And the same thing goes for custodians everywhere. Now, uh, how will this be combined? Uh, they're going to put beta and the other little, be little bits and pieces under the InvestCloud umbrella. It makes sense. They all target the similar client segments, you know, broker dealers from very large ones, you know, the wirehouses like Wells Fargo to the mid-tier to the regionals. Uh, they're looking to sell them the, the suite of products, whether it's APL, portfolio accounting, rebalancing, uh, you know, reporting, billing, uh, you know, the entire end-to-end -end process, and now um, self-clearing. And that gives them a lot of bigger uh, hooks into Wells Fargo, which is one of um, the APL business's largest clients. They just signed a big deal there. And now they also own the self-clearing part, so makes Wells Fargo a really big client of theirs. Uh, makes them stickier, harder to leave when you've got so, much, so many pieces. Uh, makes their offering more robust because they have these different, these different um, businesses and these different services they can sell, different pieces of tech that they can offer. And they, also, they should link together better. You know, they, they can take beta and connect it better to the APL platform, make it smoother, make it more uh, STP, more straight through processing. That will benefit clients. If they also can make it cheaper, right? If they can figure out ways to offer more services, wrap it around beta, uh, that will make it more attractive to smaller broker dealers to go self-clearing that could op open up a whole all new possibilities 
for that business where it's kind of stagnated the last number of years. We don't, we haven't heard a lot of new clients going self-clearing on beta or, you know, or BPS. It's really been smaller firms. So if they can do that, uh, big win for uh, Motive and ClearLake and InvestClub. So we're really expecting to see. Um, and then <clears throat> all these numbers, they're adding uh, these bigger clients, uh, Wells Fargo they already had, but they're adding Stiefel, Janney, Baird, UBS now become logos that uh, InvestCloud can put on their website. They're adding about 40,000 more advisors, which is uh, good. So all these numbers look great for investors and look great if you're going public, which I think InvestCloud is planning to do, or the uh, rather ClearLake and Motive are planning to do. Um, I would expect them to look for like a $4 billion valuation. I mean, they're, they're already a billion before the uh, beta uh, acquisition, which was for 1.1 billion. So they got to double that if they're going to go public. So look for that uh, coming soon. Interested to see what these guys are doing and how they manage to integrate and, and what the next offerings are for the InvestCloud platform. Story number two. YieldX, a fintech company providing fixed income trading and portfolio analysis tools, announced that is now participating in the Schwab Advisor Services Provider Listing Program. The program, launched in 2013, is a dedicated space for RIAs to research third-party technology providers and the solutions they offer that integrate with Schwab. Now, Schwab is the largest RIA custodian with over $4 trillion in retail assets. They also have 279 vendors listed in their provider directory, which is a decent number. It's almost as many as we have in the uh, Keats' Advisor Tech map that I partner with Michael Keats on. You can find on Keats's.com. Uh, the other major REA custodians, Fidelity and Pershing, also have similar directories of providers that they integrate with. Now, what's so special about YieldX integrating with Schwab? The reason why we're covering it is we think uh, YieldX's product is unique in the marketplace, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, you know, even with the recent decline in bond prices, a significant portion of investor assets are still invested in fixed income. Now, it's mostly ETFs and mutual funds with not so many individual bonds, especially in the managed accounts world. The reason is, um, on the managed accounts side at least, of evaluating investor needs and building a portfolio of securities is time-consuming and labor-intensive. And so assuming you have the data to find the right bonds and the right sources of liquidity, in the managed account world, everything's moved to model-based. And it's very difficult to make a model of bonds because there's just so many bonds out there. I mean, IBM itself, just looking them up, they've got almost over 100 issues currently outstanding. You just can't build uh, a model with so many uh, securities. So what we've, all, what we've been striving for, I call the holy grail of fixed income and managed accounts in UMA is the characteristic based models. That's where you enter a group of parameters such as the target yield, the duration, the minimum ratings of the bonds. And then the system goes out and searches the market and returns the list of bonds that meet that criteria. Then you've got sort of a dynamic model that meets the, the client's requirements. Of course, the platform itself would also have to either connect with some liquidity provider or a trading system to find the bonds where you could buy them at the liquidity sources, execute the trades, and allocate them back to the correct accounts, which is a lot of work. But no wealth tech vendors, at least on the managed account side, have been able to build this kind of characteristic-based modeling for fixed income. That is until what I saw when I saw a demo of YieldX. 
Uh, now, YieldX was founded in April of 2019, uh, focusing on fixed income investing, and they've got uh, solutions, they've got a suite of products that they uh, believe can support uh, all wealth managers, both RIAs and broker-dealers, uh, provide better outcomes, optimizing yield portfolios, driving trade ideas. Um, they can do portfolio optimization at scale. Uh, they can offer white label direct indexing of fixed income technology, which is unique uh, and from what I've seen. Of course, we all see direct indexing of equities, but haven't seen any direct indexing of fixed income with customized value-based investment solutions. And then an API first approach that can integrate with other fintechs to build in uh, these different fixed income uh, operations into their platforms. Now, every, almost every broker dealer, at least all the biggest broker dealers have a fixed income trading desk or outsourced fixed income. It's a bit inefficient. Uh, YieldX believes that they can do it better um, by leveraging their quantitative analytics. So they've got five, um, five fixed income tools and technologies that they have built into this, this YieldX suite. One um, will target a specific yield, risk, or dollar distribution and build a, a portfolio. Another one's an optimizer where you, you can put in a portfolio or thousands of portfolios. It analyzes them and returns actionable trade recommendations to uh, either increase the return or maintain the return with lower risk. That's what they believe their tools can do. They have an asset explorer, which can search through over 2 million uh, fixed income securities. They have a best fit tool that does personalized corporate bond portfolios. And finally, a ladder builder, which as the name implies, creates bond ladder portfolios. Now, YieldX recently, uh, recently closed its Series A funding backed by a new investment, uh, substantial investment from a new partner, Investnet. This is a big deal for YieldX in that it gives them access to Investnet's client base of all the top broker dealers and RAs in the country. So uh, Investnet's got the biggest market share. So it was a big, uh, big win for YieldX to partner with them and get an investment. So that, that shows Investnet's uh, belief that YieldX's technology, uh, their team is going somewhere if they're not only willing to partner with them, but make an investment. So the um, one of the things I find that YieldX has that's going to give them an advantage is the data they're bringing in. So many years ago, um, I was working as a head of operations for a, fixed income, a, a software company that made fixed income trading tools. So understanding uh, liquidity providers and how the street works you, you see how, how difficult it is to get the data on, you know, on where the bonds are trading. And um, it looks like YieldX has got that sewed up where they have over a dozen sources to understand where the liquidity is moving across the market and where the, the best places to buy the particular bonds you're looking for. They also have three ways that they can deliver their uh, services and technology. Uh, one is a SaaS product, which is you know, like everyone has cloud-based UI UX interface with it directly through the, and you can touch the, uh, the, the five different uh, modules we mentioned earlier. The second way is through APIs. They have a open API first open architecture with over 300 APIs where you can integrate specific research or make calls to any of their modules um, to search for bonds, uh, to send a portfolio and get the actions back to you know, do uh, any of the things that we just mentioned before, all via APIs. And I did ask them this, that they eat their own dog food, as we like to say, meaning they use their own APIs in their system. So it's not just an external tool that you know, they, they, they write the code, the custom code themselves, and they make APIs for everyone else. They use their own APIs, which I thought is really a requirement for 
an API being a robust and, and well-tested and well-managed uh, platform. And the third way that they work with firms is through custom products. I know they said they're working with some vendors uh, to build custom ETFs that are white labeled, that are powered by the YieldX technology. And they're also building out a model marketplace for fixed income SMAs. That should be very interesting. Um, oh, they recently announced that all uh, InvestNet enterprise clients, what we used to call the ENV2 platform, but I think in, in, in InvestNet calls it the enterprise platform, now have single sign-on access to YieldX, which is great news for them. And they said Tamrac clients will get SSO sometime in the third or fourth quarter of this year. So you can find out more about YieldX by going to the website at yieldx.app, not yieldx.com. Don't go to yieldx.com. Go to yieldx.app. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is running the Invest in Others Awards, which is a program that recognizes the charitable work of financial advisors in communities across the country and around the world. Awards are presented at their signature event, the annual Invest in Others Awards Gala. Over 600 advisors and financial services executives attend this premier event to celebrate those individuals that actively give back to their communities. I've gone to, I think the last three award galas, they had to cancel it for COVID and then they canceled it again last year, uh, 2021. Uh, it was normally in September, October timeframe, but hopefully we'll have it again this year. So there are five categories of awards that recognize, uh, recognize the distinct ways that advisors have made a difference through their work with a nonprofit. So the nominations deadline is April 1st. That's less than a month. Just go to investinothers.org and you can click on the nominate, uh, click here to nominate link and nominate an advisor. Um, if they win in one of the five categories, which are Catalyst Award, Community Service Award, Volunteer of the Year Award, Lifetime Achievement Award, and Emerging Impact Award. They can win, let's say, finalists in all categories receive $25,000 for their charity. The winners in the Catalyst Community Service, Next Gen, and Volunteer of the Year categories receive $50,000. The advisor who uh, receives the Lifetime Achievement Award receives $75,000. That's a lot of money for a charity, can really help. I've uh, been lucky enough to be on the, the nominated committee, the, no, the awards committee, the judging committee for a bunch of these different awards. It's really hard. These advisors do some great work, both local communities in the US, in South America, in Central America, in Africa, in Asia, across the world, uh, and right here at home. All kinds of great uh, stories, great charities that help people of all uh, ages, shapes, and sizes. You should uh, uh, nominate someone and also donate. Your company will probably match your donation, which provides twice the benefit. Please go to investinothers.org. Thanks. All right, here we go. Story number three. Charles Schwab launches direct indexing. Charles Schwab and company announced the launch of a direct indexing platform that gives advisors and retail investors the ability to directly own baskets of individual stocks. Direct indexing allows advisors to trade weighted baskets of stocks on clients' behalf and gives them the ability to direct to directly own a portfolio of stocks. Designed to mimic the holdings of an ETF, the direct ownership of securities can involve a greater level of tax management for investors. So we're seeing direct indexing all over. 
seeing a lot of vendors um, being snapped up by all the big players. Everyone wants to get a piece of the action, get into the direct indexing game. Schwab's platform comes with an account minimum of just $100,000, which is lower than most direct indexing offerings on the market, which typically start at $250,000. I think, I, know, I think Goldman dropped their minimum from $10 million to $250,000. So $100,000 is pretty cheap. Schwab is giving the clients access to three indexed-based strategies that can be customized, including indexes based on traditional U.S. large cap, small cap, and ESG. Now, direct indexing currently makes up only about 22% of the SMA industry's total assets, but the growth potential is huge, according to data from Cerulli. Now, there's different numbers I've seen on the total ESG, or not ESG, the total direct indexing, um, which here says 362, but that doesn't seem right to me because I know that um, uh, Parametric has 400 and something billion, 420 billion already. So 362 can't be right. But uh, let's say it's 500 billion or something around those, that area with a projected five-year growth rate of 12%, according to Cerulli. There's some other research that of, of institutional investors that shows 62% of pension funds and other institutional investors expect to increase their focus on ESG, which is one of the major, um, one of the biggest pushers and directions of, um, of direct indexing is uh, ESG requirements. Um, and that's being increased over the next three years. So we're seeing a couple of reasons why firms like, ESG, uh, like direct indexing. One is ESG. As I just mentioned, the second is a real-time tax loss harvesting, especially with the drop of, of commissions and other technology, the ability to customize the portfolios as needed, and exclusions, so excluding uh, particular stocks for different reasons. Now, there are some firms that are concerned that launching these direct indexing products are going to cannibalize their ETF products, which they probably will. But if you don't launch it and do the cannibalizing, someone else will. It's the old HP model, uh, the uh, mod business model. Keep coming out with new printers that cannibalize the old ones because you rather get the revenue than someone else. Now, with uh, ESG, another survey showed that 43% of institutional investors said that the environmental factor, the E, is the most important to them. About 33% chose S or social, and 26% chose G or governance. Now, there's a huge, um, since 2020, there was a, a real rash of acquisitions, uh, a run on, on acquisitions and run on vendors, uh, companies buying up stuff. Schwab bought RoboAdvisor Motif, which they may have built this uh, technology off of because Motif was one of the first providers, if not the first, of direct indexing solutions uh, with both a consumer-facing and an advisor-delivered business model. And they, now this is before commissions uh, were dropped. So they were managing direct indexing uh, with fractional shares with you know, paying for ticket charges. So Motif uh, was sort of doing it with an anchor around their neck without uh, commission-free trading, but probably one of the reasons why they went under. Uh, last July, Vanguard acquired Just Invest with about a billion in assets. A couple of weeks later, uh, no, sorry, BlackRock, BlackRock paid a billion to acquire Aperio in 2020. That was just a few weeks after uh, Morningstar, Morningstar, Morgan Stanley bought Eaton Vance, who owned Parametric. And Parametric had 300 billion, here's the notes, 300 billion at the time they were acquired. 
which was almost 75% of the market. And now they're up to 428 billion, a 43% increase. We've seen Charles Schwab, Goldman, CI Financial, JP Morgan, Franklin Templeton, Prudential, Pershing, and UBS have all bought some sort of FinTech with direct indexing capabilities. And finally, Fidelity is beta testing a new product that will provide direct indexing to retail investors for just a $5,000 minimum. Are you kidding me? There's so many vendors out there doing DI now. It's unbelievable. I just got to, I just talked to someone today about a company I hadn't heard of called Partipri, P-A-R-T-I-P-R-I-S. Um, they leverage Northfield, their uh, tax optimizer, and the Mars um, optimization engine to design direct indexing capabilities. They're a platform and process firm. They offer consulting to help firms build out their own direct indexing and portfolio customizations. And one of the reasons why firms want to do this is basically to save money. A lot of vendors charge 40 basis points to do DI for them. So if they can do it themselves, they get to keep those 40 bips for themselves. Uh, internal research by Schwab found one third of its clients are interested in direct indexing, which I'm shocked. I don't even, didn't even realize that clients even knew what direct indexing was. Anyway, Schwab, the largest RA custodian, adding direct indexing is a sign for the rest of the industry that it is here to stay, it's table stakes, and they better get on board or risk being left behind. And the last story for this month is the Keatsis Advisor Tech Map. Michael Keatsis and I work on the Advisor Tech Map, which you can find at keatsis.com at any time. Also the keatsis.com Advisor Tech Directory, which you can find on the website. There's a lot going on every month. There's changes, new vendors, old vendors wanting new things. Uh, so this is a quick summary of what changed in the map in April. So now just a quick note before I go over the changes, if your company provides services where the technology is really just ancillary or merely supportive of your services, you're not gonna get on the map. This is a map for software providers, software that an, an advisory firm or a broker dealer can buy directly and use on their own, not as part of a service. Also, uh, there are no TAMPs on this map, or well, at least no TAMPs that are, aren't providing uh, technology. So if you're a, a pure TAMP, and you don't provide technology or you're leveraging other vendors technology, you're not also gonna get onto the map. Okay, so let's talk about things we have changed in the map. We added a new category. Uh, that's not very common. We don't add categories very often. If, if, you've, if you've seen the map, you know it's pretty, pretty well jam packed. Trying to fit in another category is just not easy. Have to give kudos to the graphic designer who's doing all the work. Uh, she did a great job squeezing in proposal generation. If you're looking at the map, it's at the very, very top in the middle between client survey and performance reporting. And the reason we did that was there used to be just one vendor that we knew of was advisory world. And we're not gonna do an entire category just for one vendor, but now we, a couple of new vendors showed up. We now have advisory world, which is owned by LPL Financial. We have a company called Invisia. And then there's two in the 401k proposal space, plan professional, which is a, a then a fiduciary works and fiduciary RX. So you can check them out in the map. And, and of course, as you know, the map is dynamic. You can click on any of the logos and it should take you directly to the company's website, which is quite handy. All right, so changes to this month, mostly additions. We added advisor perspectives to the digital marketing section and they've been around for quite some time. 
uh, with, with a number of different services, premium memberships and subscriptions. Uh, and they, they basically built out this digital marketing tool. They also have um, newsletters and other uh, types of content available on Advisor Perspectives. That's advisorperspectives.com. Let's see, we added to the map also Arcons, A-R-C-O-N-S. Actually, they were already in the billing, the advisory fee billing section, but we uh, discovered that they have uh, a lot more functionality, basically so much functionality that they moved into the all-in-one category. So Billport was their billing tool, was moved out, and now they exist in the all-in-one. So you can check them out at archons.com. I'm sorry, archonstech.com, A-R-C-O-N-S-T-E-C-H.com. Uh, next one, uh, clarity.ai was added to investment data analytics, ESG. <clears throat> I mean, ESG is just massive. It's really growing. It's going to be, it's going to be huge. Uh, people seem to be really, uh, really into it. Uh, it's really generating a lot of traction. I mentioned it in the last story, talked about all the different vendors. So this is something that's going to be exploding in the map. It might even need its own section. I think we were discussing, uh, Michael and I discussing uh, creating a separate ESG section at some point, but not yet. So it's still squished into the investment data and analytics section uh, category. Uh, another thing, another note, uh, if you are a firm that primarily operates in another country, usually Canada or the UK, we're not going to put you on the map unless you have a significant US presence. So we have been getting some inbounds from Canadian companies. I'm sorry, we can't put you on the map unless you have some US customers. All right. In uh, lead generation, we added investmentfirms.com. So you can check them out. Uh, then um, BlackRock. So BlackRock Aladdin. I think we took them out of uh, digital onboarding and they were supposed to be added to wealth management or the portfolio management uh, with Aladdin Wealth. But I think we forgot to do it. Yep, I'm looking at the map and I do not see it. That was supposed to be a change this month and it wasn't added. We'll have to stick that in next month. So that's the, the updates from the Advisor Tech Map. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Wealth Tech Day podcast. Please go to our website, ezragroupllc.com. Scroll down to the home page, uh, the bottom of the home page, and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, analysis, links, and updates. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you all next time.